eastern part of the, the world, uh, specifically China, what their position is on all this. So most of you that have probably been, been very tuned into what's taking place, uh, we're going to go in just a moment, we'll go through the, the latest updates that just came in over uh, the media, uh, look at what's taking place, and then we'll spend a good amount of time going through the prophetic scenario after we kind of go through some of the basic things that have been taking place. If you'd like to comment or uh, ask a question, our phone number is on the screen as well as on the internet right now, and you'll see it is 414-788-6010. Uh, those that are in the audience today uh, in our church at uh, Union Grove Baptist Church uh, can also do the text thing uh, to us, and if we can, we'll try and get to those questions and comments as quickly as possible. If by chance uh, this phone number is active 24-7, so if you happen to send something after 8 p.m. Central or we don't get to it, I'll certainly answer the questions uh, as soon as we can. All right, Josh, well, uh, as we stated, this is a special edition, the war in Ukraine and the global consequences, and then, of course, we'll be looking at the prophetic nexus. So hot off the press while you were working down in Awana, these things came out. Uh, there's several bullet points. We're not going to go into them in detail, uh, but some of these we will later. But maybe just take a few minutes, go through the, the current updates as to what's taking place. All right, so as of March 2nd, Russian forces pound Ukraine's capital, Kiev, and other cities for a seventh day. UN General Assembly denounces the invasion in a historic vote. Global brands exit Russia, deepening its economic isolation. Ukrainian Interior Minister Advisor Anton Horoshenko said a powerful blast near Kyiv's central train station may have cut off the city's central heating supply amid freezing temperatures. Ukraine denied Russia's claim that its forces had taken the Black Sea port of Kyrgyzstan. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky said the Kremlin would not be able to take his country with bombs and airstrikes. A Ukrainian delegation has departed for a second round of talks with Russia. Ukrainian presidential advisor Mikhailo Podolyak told Reuters. Zelensky told Reuters and CNN that Russia must stop bombing Ukrainian cities before meaningful talks on a ceasefire could start. French President Emmanuel Macron said the war was Russia. Russian President Vladimir Putin's responsibility alone, adding the days ahead are likely to be increasingly difficult. More than 870,000 people have fled Ukraine since the fighting began, most crossing into Poland and Romania. Can I stop right there. This is, again, this is hot off the press. Uh, last night, late, there were about 680,000, mm -hmm. and the new number was 870,000. 800. Right, so you can just tell the massive movement that's taking place. That's a, that's a lot of people in 24 right, hours. That's tremendous. Yep. All right, moving on here. The, the ruble hit record lows, and surging oil prices exacerbated concerns of inflation in the global economy. Uh, what am I going down, down here? Uh, the European Union and United States imposed new sanctions on Belarus for its supporting role in the invasion. Russian businessman Roman 
Abramovich said he would sell London's Chelsea Football Club and donate money from the sale to help victims of the war. Interesting. Uh, foreign investors are effectively uh, stuck with their holdings of Russian stocks and ruble-denominated bonds after the central bank put a temporary halt on payments and major overseas settlement systems stopping, uh, stopped accepting Russian assets. Uh, next, with some of the world's biggest cryptocurrency exchanges staying put in Russia, the European Union and United States said they would include cryptocurrencies in the sanctions. After U.S. President Joe Biden warned Russians, oligarchs, and officials, we are coming for your ill-begotten gains, quote, uh, the United States said a new federal klepto-capture task force would investigate and prosecute sanctions violations. And then a series of quotes here. Uh, quote, we are under inhumane attack, but this is not time to cry our tears. We will for sure do that after our victory, Ukrainian Deputy Foreign Minister Amin Zaparova said. Russian Deputy Foreign Minister Alexander, Alexander Grushko, cited by Interfax News Agency, responding to a question about the po possibility of a NATO-Russia clash. Quote, there are no guarantees that there will be no incidents, and there are no guarantees that these incidents couldn't escalate into an absolutely unwanted direction, but definitely we've heard NATO say that it doesn't have any plans or intentions, and this is at least some manifestation of reason. Uh, the last thing here, the last quote, quote, most people hide, uh, hid in the basements for most of the day today and last night. The Russians cannot enter the town, so they're just attacking us from afar. They just want to destroy what they can, said Pavel Drogoy, 36, a photographer in Kharkiv. All right, so that's the literally just came off the press a few minutes ago. That's the current situation. Now we're going to uh, we're going to move into what has been uh, Kiev's is the big city. It's yeah. the big major one in Ukraine, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about that in a few moments about what has stalled there right now and the alleged reasons why uh, that particular major city hasn't been hit yet. But I want to uh, take your Bibles, those of you that have them. I want to pause for a moment as we go through this. There's some very, very serious things that are taking place. There's also the threat right now of nuclear attacks, nuclear warheads from Russia. Uh, there's many people, and uh, maybe with a, a modicum of truth, that are scared to death right now, including maybe some people in the room right now with us. And uh, uh, we did this uh, a Sunday, and I just want to take a moment to remind us uh, about who's in control here in our lives. You got your Bibles, go to Romans chapter 8, verse 28, familiar verses, and then uh, we just want to spend a moment getting ourselves focused on who God is and what position He plays in our lives as God's people uh, before we go any further. Because it, it is, this is, uh, when we talk in prophecy about the tribulation or about things that are going to happen in the future, it's like, okay, that's, that's the future. We're looking at things that are literally happening as we speak, horrible atrocities, terrible war that's in play, and this isn't something that's future. This is happening right now. So Romans 8, 28, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknow, foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. 
Moreover, whom he predestined, them he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. By the way, everything in here is future. Future tense. We're not, we positionally are justified, but we don't receive our true justification, if you will, till we get to heaven. We don't receive our glorification, if you will, in our new bodies until we get to heaven. So God is looking at this, and, and what is he saying? He's specifically saying, listen, you may be going through tribulation, you may be going through horrific persecution, you may be going through extremely difficult times, but wait a second, here's what's coming. So when he's talking about, and we have some fancy words in here, big words, when we're talking about predestination, what does God predestine those who love him to? Based upon his foreknowledge, he's saying, listen, every single person who's a child of the King, who's a child of Christ, who trusted in the Lord as your personal Savior. These are things that are coming. Now, folks, I hate to hate to be blunt and, and tell you something you've never heard before, but we're all going to die. You know, it's, it's, it's going to happen barring what event? The rapture of the church. If the rapture takes place in our generation, we'll be the one uh, generation that fortunately won't go through that process. But outside barring that every single one of us will indeed die. Now, I'm not trying to be a downer, but it's just a matter of fact. And God says, listen, in our minds, when we talk about the potential of death, we usually don't look at it, if you will, from a positive aspect. So Paul made uh, this statement, and uh, under tremendous persecution, had lived being beat up and, and persecuted in tremendous tribulation. And what did the Apostle Paul said? For me to die is what? Gain. It's gain. So, uh, uh, and I made this statement. It may sound a little uh, coy or blunt, but what is the worst thing that can happen to me and you as a Christian? Well, we die and go to heaven. And folks, may I kindly state, that's a pretty good ending. It's a pretty good it, deal. It's, it's a wonderful deal, if you will. <laughs> All right, verse 31. What then shall we say in Romans chapter 8? What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Amen. He who did not spare his own son, speaking of God, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died, and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the, from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. I received a call uh, from, or actually an email and a call from some folks about uh, some of these fo people that we prayed about a little bit earlier uh, that I know from uh, Dallas when we go down to the pre-trib research conference. And uh, these are individuals that live in Texas that were in Ukraine when the bombing started. Uh, uh, pastor's name is Robbie Dean, wonderful man, man of God. And uh, he was caught up in, uh, in the bombing situation, wow. and a rescue group actually came in and helped him, along with many others, uh, flee to uh, the Polish border. And to my understanding, they're fine. They got out safely. But when you think about this, and there are, there are thousands of good Christians in Ukraine, and, and I'm not saying that coyly, there, there truly are uh, some wonderful churches in Ukraine and, and seminaries and so forth. Not all of them have made it out alive. I mean, that's, that's a fact. 
And it's like, well, it's a terrible thing to, if you will, go through that, suffer that type of a, a situation. But folks, never forget the good news. That every single Christian that dies, they wake up in the presence of Christ. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse eight. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. And that's good news. All right, keep that in the back of your minds or the forefront of your minds as yeah. we go through some of these difficult things that are taking place. So uh, let's go to uh, the Russian convoy, which actually this is a day old news, but it hasn't really changed much. Right. Uh, Russian convoy is nearly or was nearly 18 miles outside of Kiev. Ukraine's defense intelligence says some 300 Belarusian tanks are near the Belarus-Ukraine border as Russia seeks to introduce Belarusian troops into its attack against Ukraine. Russia is preparing a deliberate provocation to justify the introduction of Belarusian troops, Ukraine's defense intelligence wrote Tuesday. Ukrainian forces continue to hold the cities of Kharkiv, Kyrgyzstan, and Mariupol. However, all three cities are now likely encircled by Russian forces. All right, so we should have put a map up of uh, what's taking place here, but we'll pretend this is our map, and hopefully we can see it a little bit. No, there's nothing to see. (laughs) Anyway, all right, so if we got Ukraine in a big circle, which it's it's not a perfect circle, but that's close enough. All right, so if we got Ukraine here, all these nations that, if if you will, are on the western border, there's a common denominator of most of those nations, European nations, off to the west of Ukraine. What is that common denominator? I heard it. NATO, all right? The North Atlantic Treaty Organization, uh, uh, nations that have signed in to that particular group. Well, NATO, uh, of course, is designed to protect those nations that have joined it. It's a a lot of them are very small, they have very small militaries, and being part of NATO, if you will, gives them some protection. Belarus sits right on the western border of Ukraine, and Belarus happens to be pro-what? Pro-Russia, all right? Uh, we go way over here to the eastern side, and there's a couple of little sectors inside of Ukraine that are also uh, pro-Russia. So that's provided some interesting dynamics. Let's take you back very quickly in history for those that aren't aware of what's taking place. Anybody remember a group called the Soviet Union? Is the Soviet Union, and this is almost a trick question now, uh, is the the Soviet Union alive and well? Technically, no. We go back to the late uh, 1980s, early 1991, and the Soviet Union was literally destroyed. Ukraine became an independent country, nation, if you will, in 1991. It was formerly part of the Soviet Union. So when the Soviet Union fell, and all of a sudden the, uh, there's these splits, if you will, that take place, there's a power struggle that didn't exist back in 1991 that is alive and well today. When Vladimir Putin took place, and we all know that name now, it's in every household, uh, uh, everybody knows who that person is, he is taking a very, very strong leadership position and is driving Russia to be the, uh, a major superpower. Now, when we go to the prophetic word in a few moments, may I kindly state this, this 
is a fulfillment or is, is setting the stage for prophecy to be fulfilled. Russia, according to Scripture, is going to be a major player in the end time scenario. Mm -hmm. So when we see these things, it's like, wow, how did Russia all of a sudden come back to life? Well, let's take it back to uh, maybe a country you're more familiar with. What country do we uh, uh, have an alliance with, at least on paper? Most of us here would have a much more uh, heartfelt alliance. What major country didn't exist before 1948? Israel. Oh, Israel. Israel where the what people live, or at least used to live, the Jewish people. So we look at Israel, and uh, back in A.D. 70, what took place? Eighty seventy, the Romans come in, they plunder uh, Jerusalem, they knock down the temple, and literally all the Jewish people were dispersed around the world. Well, what's taking place now? God's drawing the people in 1948, Israel becomes a nation, and now what are they doing? They're getting the ire of all the nations around them. But by the way, um, Israel does win in the end, uh, if you haven't <laughs> read the, uh, the Bible, they're going to have a, a very fine uh, future. We'll put it that way. Yeah. All right, so in the same manner, what do we have? We've got uh, the Soviet Union basically collapses, and now Russia has been building and building and building and is now a very strong superpower. Now, we're going to get into a couple more of the details specifically regarding why is all this happening? Well, I've had some people actually not agree with me on this. Um, I have no idea why. Um, seriously, because uh, the contention is this uh, This isn't about Vladimir Putin trying to get Ukraine and take over it. I seriously find that's a very suspect conclusion. Vladimir Putin has made it very well known he wants to take over Ukraine as it's part of his land as far as he's concerned. It was part of Soviet Union, and now he wants it to be a part of Russia. Uh, to me, it makes perfect sense. Now, are there some underlying issues, i.e., uh, natural gas, uh, fuel, other different things? Uh, we're going to see that as we go through this, that this is causing an extreme amount of tension between multiple countries, specifically many of those that are part of NATO. Uh, here's an interesting thing, and I'm looking back at uh, Mrs. Hollister back here because, and she's like, why? because uh, she's going to be have uh, Ted Fletchell and his wife are going to be here this Sunday who just got back from uh, their work in Germany. They were missionaries there for, I think, some 30 years, and they're going to be here, and I hope he gives us, uh, hopefully he can give us some updates. Germany's a key player in this. You say, why is that? Because there is a pipeline that literally has no uh, fuel going through it that is built from uh, basically Ukraine, uh, through Russia, through Ukraine, all the way through Germany, or at least it's on the border. This thing is a huge wow. uh, uh, issue regarding is Europe going to get the fuel they need? Russia is one of the biggest fuel suppliers in Europe. And by the way, where else do they supply a ton of gasoline to? Right here. Yeah, right here in the good old USA. Now, this is where I have to be very cautious because I could get very... Uh, politically charged at this point. I'm trying to keep this on a spiritual level. Um, we but don't, We don't want our blood to boil too much. No, not really. Uh, but the issue is when uh, uh, the current administration cut off the American-made fuel, and again, if you're a, uh, a person that's all about 
the planet and the potential bad things that can come out of fracking and all those issues. I understand that I'm sympathetic to that position, but I totally disagree with it. Uh, uh, America will not be a strong, independent nation when we are counting on Russia and others to supply our fuel. That gets into the politics of it, and uh, again, uh, I appreciate those that give us a little leeway to go there, but let's, uh, again, we're going to go to the prophetic scenario, which absolutely outlines what uh, will take place. All right, we do have, uh, this is one of the few pictures that I put up. It's it's very uh, well, all, I mean, if, if you watch the news, all the same pictures are showing up time after time after time again. You can barely see it, but if you kind of look on those white lines, uh, there's three different satellite pictures. You'll see little dots all over the lines. Uh, those are those tanks and military vehicles for the 40-mile-long trek that are that are literally on the uh, outskirts of Kiev right now. So the issue is, are they going to, and, and <laughs> as funny as this sounds, well, the major convoy ran out of fuel <laughs> from Russia, which supplies all the fuel, but they're all gassed up again, ready to go. But I found that... It's hard to understand how that, that yeah, happened. Yeah, it's like... Uh, some su get the gas supply cans. chain issues or something. Right. <laughs> yeah, that was good. All right. Uh, let's look very quickly uh, at Belarus. Go there. All Belarus, right. again, being on the western side of Ukraine. That is pro-Russia. Belarus sends troops into Ukraine despite Lukashenko denials. Belarusian troops reportedly have crossed the border into Ukraine on Tuesday in the latest escalation uh, to the conflict. Belarus has entered the war. Belarusian troops have entered the Chernihiv region, said the statement from a spokesman for North Territorial Defense Forces, the military reserve component of the Ukrainian Armed Forces, according to the Union News Agency. Uh, the agency cited local residents spotting a Belarusian military column of 33 units passing through villages near the border, including 11 Grad rocket launchers. Alexander Lukashenko, the president of Belarus, said on state television that the country's air defense systems have been mobilized to, quote, backstabbing attacks against Russia forces, which entered Ukraine via Belarus. Uh, the number of Ukrainians who have fled to neighboring countries reached nearly 680,000 on Tuesday, just six days since Russia invaded Ukraine. UN High Commissioner for Refugees, Filippo Grandi, provided the updated figure, up from 500,000 the day prior. Our latest reports for Poland border crossing show that the Dorohusk, Ustila, and Dohobyshow have wait times of less than 10 hours. If you are headed to Poland, these crossings may be ideal. Note, wait times and environments are constantly changing. You know I have you read all those. Yeah, because you don't want to have to pronounce all that, <laughs> all the words. There you Thanks. Go. Uh, a little rough on the names. Appreciate it. Interesting though, if you just look at this slide, five hundred thousand. This was uh, I took this right off of uh, the news press uh, this morning. Six hundred eighty thousand, and now another hundred ten thousand have uh, fled out. So uh, a tremendous amount of movement that's taking place. What appears to be happening now for Kiev, if uh, my predictions are correct, which may or may not be true, I am not claiming to be a prophet here because I do want to stay alive when my prophecies don't come true. <laughs> uh, but uh, looking at it from an educated guess, if you will, 
Russia's going to hold their position right now. Belarus is coming in. Uh, there's other attacks that are coming up from the south end in Odessa, all names which uh, are becoming rather commonplace now around Ukraine. So these things are flaring up, and Kiev is going to be surrounded. And unless uh, the talks that have started, there are peace talks, uh, negotiations, if you will, uh, taking place. But if those fail, uh, basically, and here's my, again, my commentary uh, my prediction, whether it's true or not, we'll find out. Um, my prediction is is that uh, 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 the president of Ukraine, at least up to this point, has not been willing to stand down. They've been fighting valiantly, have done a, a phenomenal job in, in holding off the Russian troops. If he will not surrender and basically give up his presidency, then I strongly suggest that uh, they will take care of the issue. The Russians will take care of the issue. They'll destroy Kiev and uh, basically take over the land. Educated guess. If he stands down, um, that's a total different scenario. Uh, we'll see if that happens. However, based upon his uh, uh, will to fight for the Ukrainian people, I would be surprised if he literally uh, stood down and allowed the Russians to take over. All right, again, uh, Prophecy Focus Global Update. Uh, today's March 2nd. If you have a, a question or comment, 788-414. That is the area code, 788-6010. All right, we're going to go to a little different spin now on what's taking place, and we want to bring China into the picture. China, and again, we'll look at this in a few moments from Revelation 16, is going to be a major player along with Russia in the end times. So Ezekiel 38 and 39, which we'll briefly look at, uh, Revelation chapter 16 talks about these nations. They are major players in the end time scenario. Why is that important to us today? Well, everything that's happening right here, especially when you read this, who's Russia? Well, Russia in 1991 was nothing. Now all of a sudden they're a major player again. Who is China? Well, China has always been there. They've kind of been friendly. We buy all our goods from them. Now, all of a sudden, they're becoming a threatening superpower. In fact, one of the most dangerous nations on the earth. How did all this happen? Well, it's because this is a scenario that God said would take place. So let's take, uh, take us to China. I think the names are a little easier here. Okay. <laughs> I didn't brush up on my Russian or my Chinese. Yeah, I'm sorry, buddy. <laughs> so I tried to warn you. <laughs> China says Russia ties are deepening, but denies Xi gave Putin okay on Ukraine. Chinese officials have said their relations with Russia continue to deepen despite the international backlash regarding Moscow's military moves against Ukraine, but they dismissed speculation that Beijing had endorsed the Kremlin's plan to attack the neighboring country. Chinese President Xi Jinping and Russian President Vladimir Putin openly fortified their nation's comprehensive strategic partnership of coordination for the new era during a summit held in Beijing earlier this month as the Winter Olympic Games began. Just a day after the international sporting event ended, however, Putin offered recognition of two separatist self-proclaimed republics in Ukraine's eastern Donbass region and sent troops he deemed, quote, peacekeepers to support them, laying the groundwork for a special military operation he ultimately commenced late Wednesday. 
The timing of the two events and the unprecedented closeness of the ties between China and Russia have prompted speculation as to whether Putin may have informed Xi of his plans ahead of time and that his Chinese counterpart might, even, uh, might have even signed off on the move. But Louis Penghu, spokesperson for China's embassy in Washington, told a small press briefing attended by Newsweek on Monday that such rumors were unfounded. And while China has not weighed in decisively on Russia's side over the intervention, Beijing has echoed Moscow's talking points, blaming the conflict on the eastward expansion of the NATO alliance and U.S. military assistance to Ukraine. Chinese officials have also rejected any interest in joining an increasingly wide chorus of countries issuing sanctions against Russia. In fact, uh, Louis said the bonds... Uh, said the bonds the two major powers have forged were only growing stronger. The U.S. deployed its nuclear weapons on the territory of European countries. Russian Foreign Minister spokesperson Maria Zakharova said in an interview Monday with Rossiya One outlet, it's not France and the U.K. that have their own nuclear weapons. This is Italy and many other countries that possess U.S. nuclear weapons, but they do not have access to them. The U.S. controls them here. It was a golden dream that it would appear in Ukraine. Catch the, catch the rhetoric here. Russia is making a complaint against whom here? The United States. Us. The United States has planted uh, these weapons, these nuclear weapons, in these European states, and therefore uh, uh, Russia is concerned, maybe rightly so, maybe not, that uh, America has strategic locations in these European countries whereby Russia can be attacked. Now, we, of course, in America would have the opposite uh, scenario going. It's like Russia is, is planted in multiple places and this uh, alliance with China. So we got the North, we got the Eastern uh, major countries, world powers. And uh, let's be honest, are we concerned about nuclear warheads? I, I mean, it's like that's not a trick question. Yeah. It's like if somebody's holding a 44 Magnum at your head, would you be concerned? Yeah. Of course you would. And if somebody's threatening to, to lob a nuclear weapon into the United States, would you be concerned? Of yeah. course you would. And, and Russia's feeling that, of course, they obviously uh, have a totally different perspective than we do on who they should protect. But we're looking at it. They're trying to protect their property, if you will, their lives, and of course, from an American mm -hmm. standpoint, we're doing the same thing, but on totally different sides. So all these little tensions are taking place. Okay, let's finish this uh, piece out. China has sought to adopt a balanced approach through which the country maintains that the sovereignty and territorial integrity of all countries should be respected and protected, while at the same time advocating for common, comprehensive, cooperative, sustainable security. The two arguments were part of a five-point position on the Ukraine issue outlined earlier Monday by Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi. All right. It's almost like that's how you say something without really saying it. It seems yeah, like. absolutely. All right, so again, now we've got the, the reason we brought this article in is because this is playing into the future prophetic scenario as to exactly what's going to take place. Uh you know, we're constantly asked the question, as, uh, if you will, pre-tribulation rapture folks, believing that we could uh, literally come out of here at any moment. Well, as we see things being set up, God is definitely setting the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. 
And if you follow what uh, we would call the uh, literal interpretation of Scripture, the rapture or the removal of God's people must happen before these events take place. All these events are part of, and here's a, here's a, uh, a hard question, I hope most of you get it, what week of Daniel's prophecy is all of this going to take place in? Hey, good job. 70th week of Daniel's prophecy. How many points do they get? For oh, that? they get 35. Wow. That is big. Wow. That's big. Uh, you take those 35 points, you can cash them in at your Russian uh, whatever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that was bad. Bottom line is Daniel 9, 24 to 27 is the, the 70 week prophecy of Daniel. The first 69 weeks, basically the first 483 years of that prophecy have already taken place. You say, wait a minute, is it, is it 69 weeks or 483 years? Yes. And you say, why is that? Because the scripture, uh, when it's talking about the weeks, the Hebrew word is heptad. And what does a heptad refer to? Seven of something. And if, we, if you've gone through and we have this all over our, our internet site, uh, if you go to a message I did called Scripture's Most Compelling Argument, for the pre-tribulation rapture, I go through this in much depth. Uh, the the timetable is actually given from a decree that Artaxerxes made in 445 B.C. until the time when Christ would be crucified is 483 years or 69 weeks. You go to that decree and you go forward 173,880 days, and you say, well, why, why are you throwing another number out? Because Israel's calendar has how many days? 360 not like our current calendar, 365. You go from the day that Artaxerxes' decree was made in 445 B.C., you count forward uh, 483 years times 360 days, and you'll come up with 173,000, uh, what did I say, 883 days, I think is correct. And what was the event that was to take place, according to prophecy, after those 483 years, the crucifixion of Jesus? Was Jesus crucified? Yes. Absolutely. When you go to Daniel chapter 9, 24 to 27, it gives you the precise dating as to when Jesus Christ would be crucified. I ask this question in prophecy conferences everywhere we go. It, does the Bible give you a literal date as to when Jesus would be crucified? You know how many churches or how many people can answer that question? I can count them. Uh, I mean, there's more now that we've been out, out uh, uh, presenting this stuff, but there's so... You say, why doesn't anybody know this stuff? Well, I'll tell you exactly why. Because the Bible schools don't teach it. The professors that are there haven't learned it. And you're like, well, why not? I, I can't answer that question. All I can say is that those uh, schools that are teaching Daniel and that are going into the, the literal interpretation, and there are many, and, and I'm being uh, slightly uh, uh, facetious on this, but there's so few people, so few churches, so few seminaries that are teaching these things, and yet it's one of the most positive proofs uh, of, of the validity of, of Scripture. I mean, it's just point blank, it's there, it's undeniable. All right, I'm on a sidetrack, we've got to move on. All right, uh, let's go to, and here's, here's another interesting one that I, I really enjoyed this article. India and the United Arab Emirates. Okay, how many remember about a year ago, and, and no, strike that, about two years ago, President Trump, Israel, and a group called the UAE formed, if you will, a basic 
agreement, not really a peace treaty, but basically same concept. Who's the UAE? United Arab Emirates. Two years ago, we sat right here in this room, and uh, we had many folks that were like, ah, the rapture's got to be coming because there's a peace treaty being made. And they were uh, with uh, uh, the Middle East. Where'd that come from? Daniel chapter 9, verse 27. That's where it came from. And it basically talks about when the Antichrist comes on the scene, he'll confirm a covenant or a peace treaty with what group of people? Israel. So people got all excited. The UAE, a couple of other small countries in the Middle East, made these peace treaties, and all of a sudden it's like, well, the rapture's got to be here. If you recall, those of you that were here at that time, I made this statement. UAE, these other little teeny tiny countries, not quite what God had in mind on the prophetic scale. Mm -hmm. And it's been proven. Uh, UAE basically is pulling back. Uh, Iran got ticked off with them. Uh, they're a big, giant power. And now we have India and UAE saying, uh, no, United States of America, uh, we're not going to go against Russia. Why don't you take us through this? All right. Harsha Kakar, a retired major general of the Indian Armed Forces, who also led the Department of Strategic Studies at India's College of Defense Management, told Newsweek that his country's decision was rooted in India's traditional ties with Russia, including defense deals and continued dependence on weapons, spare parts, and imports, including S-400 missile systems. Growing strategic relations with the U.S. cannot imply India dumps its ally Russia, Kakar said. The U.S. would understand Indian compulsions. He also referenced India's relations with Ukraine, noticing, uh, noting they involve defense deals, including spares for naval gas turbine engines and upgrading of the AN or Antonov fleet of aircraft. But he cited the words of India's top diplomat in illustrating these ties were dwarfed by the need for positive ties with Russia. As Indian Foreign Secretary Harsh Shringla stated some time ago, without Russian spares, our planes won't fly and our ships won't sail, Kakar said. Former U.S. Defense Secretary James Mattis famously nicknamed the UAE Little Sparta due to its outsized posture in the fraught security situation of the Persian Gulf region. But in addition to seeking U.S. military support in the face of tense times with nearby Iran, Abu Dhabi has also eyed closer ties with Moscow in a number of sectors, including defense. The trend was on full display in recent UAE arms expos in which an array of Russian weapons were showcased. Shocking. Yeah, surprise. Yeah. Parallel to this has been a greater U.S. hesitance to sell military equipment to the UAE due to concerns of civilian casualties in the ongoing war with Yemen and of a uh, sorry, <laughs> Abu Dubai's growing relationship with Beijing. On Wednesday, hours before Putin announced the beginning of military operations against Ukraine, UAE Foreign Minister Sheikh Abdullah bin Zayed Al Nahyan called for strengthening ties and deepening cooperation in a call with Russian counterpart Sergei Lavrov. Hours before Friday's vote, Sheikh Abdullah announced he would visit Moscow on Monday to boost bilateral bonds. Uh, maybe it doesn't resonate too well in Washington, he added, but that's the way things are going to be from now on. I think it is dawning on us, Abdullah said, it is becoming like something on the near horizon. America is pulling back. Pause. What is the United Arab Emirates saying about their relationship with America? They're what? 
pulling back. Okay, so the previous administration basically brought Israel and the UAE together. Now under the current administration, it's going obviously in a different direction. Mm -hmm. And this is causing allies across the world to question America's allegiance to them, or their allies, if you will. Next. In response to what he termed a retreat from the region, Abdullah said that the UAE, like many countries in the region, are positioning themselves for this post-America Middle East and post-Gulf Middle East. So I think this thinking is sinking in. Post-what? America. Folks, do you, you, you understand the gravity of what that's stating? Post-American. Now, they're not saying America's blown up and gone. What they're saying is, is our relationships with our allies, it doesn't exist anymore. It's post. That is the other country's analysis of where we're at with them. So it's, it's, it's an extremely vulnerable position that we're in right now. And it's just something to be thinking about as we, in a, just about a couple minutes from now, get into the prophetic scenario. Go ahead. As a result, Abdullah said that Asia is definitely the future. I, and I think, if that is so, then Asia has become bigger and bigger in our strategic thinking. While China is only one aspect of this new trajectory, he indicated it would be an increasingly important one. Mm. If there is this post-American world, post-America Gulf, correspondingly there will be more of China, he said. Less of America probably translates into also more of China in the region and throughout, by the way. Now, uh, folks, go ahead. Uh, just post-American world. Yeah. Uh, if you recall, and I brought this up uh, in messages in the past, uh, President, back when President Obama was in office, he made this statement, and uh, it's one of the true statements I believe he gave, that America is in a post-what era? Post-Christian era. That's one of the few statements that I agreed with him on. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to be political. I'm being honest. Why did he call America a post-Christian nation? Well, folks, and, and we go to uh, uh, Pew Research, which is done, uh, basically keeps an eye on how many Christians there are in America, came out with this statistic. About two years ago, for the first time in the history of America, we were less than 50% of its population that would call itself Christian. That is a first. Now, there's other, uh, of course, uh, different groups, different uh, uh, people that hate uh, the concept of Christianity or any religion for that matter in America. But America, when, the, when the, the founders sat down, they opened in prayer. The Bible, whether they agreed it the same way we did or not, was forefront on their desk. It was a big deal. It was a, one of the big reasons why this country was founded was on Christian freedom, or religious freedom, if you will. So now we're going to this post-Christian era. Now, unless things change, and uh, of course, excuse me for saying this too, it's political, but I'm not going to tell you to vote for, but please, when the voting is allowed to take place, vote. You say, well, the system's so corrupt, I don't know that I can trust it anymore. You let God worry about that. Romans 13 says that God puts into place leadership that he chooses. Folks, for such a time as this, he's chosen the current leadership. But if we're, if God is going to change the scenario someday and you want to vote for someone with different perspectives, 
God's got to get the votes from somewhere, so I always encourage God's people. I don't tell you who to vote for. I may kind of kind of hint, um, <laughs> but we've got to exercise it because God uses people to get his work done. Same as, if you will, as uh, telling somebody about Christ. Jesus doesn't come down here and say, listen, uh, Josh, you need to come to, come to me. Um, listen to me, I'm, I'm right here. And he doesn't do that. He uses every, he uses people, he uses uh, Christians to be his ambassadors. All right, I'm going to skip uh, a couple of articles here. Well, actually, I'm only going to skip one. Uh, Russian warns United States on nuclear weapons. Basically, that's the same thing where they say uh, we're naughty because we have weapons in European countries. All right, so let's go to our biblical perspective because we want to spend some time in the prophetic scenario. I'm going to take you all the way back to the book of Genesis chapter 2 where all of this begins. Go ahead. Genesis 2, 15 to 22. Then the Lord God took the man, Adam, and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, Adam, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman and brought her to man. So here's a question. Why in Romans chapter 5, verse 12, does God nail the man as the one through whom sin is transferred? Why did he do that? Well, here's the answer in this verse. God had not even created Eve yet. And God looked down at Adam and he gave him the command to do what? You could eat, buddy. I mean, there, you can eat the Burger Kings and Arby's and McDonald's <laughs> and uh, uh, you can go to the vegetarian store. You can eat whatever you want, but don't touch that tree. Stay, or don't eat the fruit from that tree. Stay away from it. God made that command to whom? Adam. He made it to Adam. Well, then write the next couple of verses. Who does he make? Eve. He makes Eve. But that original order was given to Adam. And when Eve eats the forbidden fruit after Satan uh, tempts her, she understood what was improper to do, but it goes right back to Adam who gets the blame for it. So ladies, if anybody tries to say it's your fault, it's Adam's fault. It truly is, all right? So you get a win on that one. But why do we bring this up? Because this is when the world goes from a perfect, beautiful, completely uh, Edenic state, heavenly, if you will, uh, next closest thing, if you will, to heaven, Adam messes things up, eats the forbidden fruit, and now look where we are 6,000 years later with uh, the situation that we're facing with the end time scenario being right around the corner. By the way, you say, well, where'd you get, uh, uh, I know, again, some folks up here that may not have heard this, you say, where in the world did you get 6,000 years from? Isn't the earth millions and billions of years old? Uh, wasn't there the Big Bang and the theistic evolution and evolution and all that stuff? Uh, the answer is no. Simple? Simple. You say, well, why is that? Because in Genesis chapter 5 and Genesis chapter 11, the genealogies are given with dating about how many years it was between Adam and the next person and the next person the next person. When you add all of those up, 
until we get to Christ himself, you come up with a little over 4,000 years. It's documented. It's in black and white. And you say, well, what are you saying, that God made the earth in six literal days? That's exactly what I'm saying. You say, well, I never read that in, uh, in Genesis. It, uh, it certainly doesn't uh, unequivocally state that he made everything in six days. I think the Big Bang Theory could be there. I think theistic evolution could be there. Well, that's because you're reading the wrong book. You say, what, you got something besides the Bible? Nope, it's in the Bible. Exodus chapter 20, verse 11, says in six literal days God made every single thing on this universe that is. Exodus 20, 11. Mark it down. It's not in Genesis. you got to go to the next book. Mm -hmm. That's why we miss it. We read one book, get tired, go home. Yeah. All right. Uh, enough ranting. Uh, authority of Scripture. Scripture is the only opinion that matters. Let's make a stronger statement. God's Word, the Bible, is the only infallible, inerrant, inspired, absolute, authoritative, awesome, accurate source of truth. Amen. That'll preach, brother. Yeah, sure right. will. Uh, let's go to, his, take your Bibles, go to Ezekiel 38. So let's go, we're going to, uh, in the last nine, ten minutes, whatever we have left, we're going to look at the biblical prophetic scenario. Every single person that uh, believes the Bible is truly the Word of God, and many of you, we've gone through these passages multiplicity of times over uh, the past year or two, and we want to go back to why do we care about Russia? Why do we care about Ukraine? Well, because God has them in the prophetic scenario. Back in Ezekiel chapter 38, verse 1, it says, Now the word of the Lord came to me, to Ezekiel, saying, Son of man, set your face against Gog of the land of what? Magog. What is Magog? Well, you say, I don't know what Magog is. I've never been there, never heard of it. Well, if you look on an ancient map, you'd see it as in the same position as what current country? Russia. Russia. Magog is Russia in the scriptures. Why is that important? Uh, for the last 50 minutes, we've been talking about why it's important. Why is it important? Because uh, uh, the nuclear warheads are, are, are being set up as we speak. I trust they're not going to be used anytime soon, but who knows? Uh, uh, they could be. What do we know about Magog? Well, let's uh, read a little bit further. Magog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and on the screen are, are the current countries that this refers to. This isn't made up. It's not speculation. This comes off of literal maps. Meshach, Tubal, uh, prophesy against them. Where are they? Turkey. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I'm against you, O Gog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal. I will turn you around, put hooks into your jaws, and lead you out with all your army, horses, and horsemen, all splendidly clothed, a great company with bucklers and shields, all of them handling swords. Now he names some of the other countries involved. Persia, referring to Afghanistan, Pakistan, and Iran currently. Ethiopia. Ethiopia was much bigger back in biblical times, including Somalia and the Sudan. And Libya. Ever heard of Libya? Still exists right down uh, uh, in, uh, in the southern or in, uh, parts of Africa are with them. All of them with shield and helmer, helmet. Gomer and all its troops. The house of Tagarma, part of Turkey, from the far north and all its troops. Many people are with you. God is basically saying this what we call the Gog-Magog War, which is when Russia will link up with all of the nations that surround Israel, they will attack her. That's unequivocally. It's true. It has not happened yet. This is a future scenario. Why did the Soviet Union collapse? Well, 
Who knows why it collapsed? Why is Russia all of a sudden gaining power like crazy? Because God said they would. It's that simple. So it's like, well, you know, is the Bible true? Can we trust it? Folks, we're living in black and white of seeing these things come to pass. By the way, if you go back one chapter to Ezekiel chapter 37, God was made, uh, had prophesied that all the Jewish people would be brought to Israel. Uh, there's a couple sitting right over here uh, that I talked with Sunday. And they uh, had come in contact with a, a, a Jewish young lady, I believe, and uh, she was heading back, not heading back, but going to Israel. And I was like, well, well, why are you going back to Israel? She said, well, me and my husband were sleeping. Uh, you know, I, I don't really believe in, in experiences, but this certain one certainly uh, I might be able to buy into it. Her and her husband are sleeping one night. They both wake up at the same time. They look at each other. This is, this is what I was told. And they both say, you know, I believe we should go back to Israel. Wow. Or go to Israel. They've never been there. <laughs> he looks at her, she looks at him, and they're like, well, where'd that come from? I don't know, but I think we're supposed to go back to Israel. They packed up their bags, left their jobs, went to Israel. Folks, wow. 7.5 million Jewish peoples have, people have done that since 1948 out of the 14.5 million Jewish people that exist today. You don't think God is fulfilling his word? I hope they don't. Yeah, He's fulfilling it, clear. setting the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. It's amazing. Again, I'm not making this stuff up. It's right here, black and white. All you got to do is read it. It, it. It's just amazing. All right, so very quickly on our map. Sorry, Josh, I'm just... Keep I'm going. On, I'm on a roll here. You're good. So what's he talking about? These green nations, Russia, Turkey, Iran, all will be attacking Israel along with Libya and Sudan. All of these nations... Here's the common denominator. What is the common denominator that came about in about 700 A.D., a thousand, over a thousand years after Ezekiel prophesied this? What is now the common denominator of why all these nations hate Israel? Islam. All right. And again, I'm not trying to be uh, offensive to uh, my Islamic and Muslim friends, of which I have uh, several. But this is Bible, folks. What is the common denominator? The nations of Islam hate the Jewish people. The small Satan. By the way, who's the big Satan? Look in the mirror. It's America. Mm -hmm. All right? And uh, the muftis of Israel or of, uh, 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 of Islam want us gone. All right, let's go to the next scenario in the couple of minutes we have left. Revelation 16, please. Then the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and its water was dried up so that the way of the kings of, from the east might be prepared. Whoa. Kings from the where? East. Let's see. I'm going to skip to the map real quick. Oh, this is a picture of the Euphrates, by the way. Uh, that's not that old. So is it possible that the river Euphrates can dry up? Well, it absolutely is. By the way, what's going to happen when and Satan mimics everything that, that is natural that God allows to take place? So now we see that the, the river Euphrates is drying up. When this actually happens in prophetic times and it dries up so that the nations can cross it, they'll just say, well, it's just another, it just happens all the time, no big deal. It's going to be a big deal then. So what's going to happen is uh, if you look at the kings of the east, you look over there at China, India, Pakistan, Afghanistan, uh, Japan, all these different places, 
when the end time scenario kicks in, China, the big massive superpower, is going to be making its way right towards Israel. Folks, the prophetic scenario is just popping off the pages. All right, I'm going to go back. Uh, let's go to, I think, verse 14. Is that where it left uh, off? 13 and 14. All right. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are spirits of demons performing signs which go out to the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. All right, so what is this? This is the last piece of the prophetic picture before Christ returns. This is indeed the battle of Armageddon, also spoken about in Revelation chapter 14 uh, 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 as well. So what's taking place here? The dragon is a metaphor for whom? Come on, Satan. satanic trinity. Who's the dragon? Satan. Satan. Who is the second person of the satanic trinity? Antichrist. The Antichrist or the beast. And who is the final person of the, of the false satanic trinity, the false prophet? Okay. All right, these three will rise up at the really the end of the seven-year scenario. All these horrible things are going to be taking place. China is going to be in a massive position along with probably other uh, uh, eastern nations, and they're going to start coming towards, uh, if you will, Israel. So there's kind of a, a just a basic map of that. Uh, let's see, did we get all this? We yes, did. we did. All right, so uh, we're looking at a picture of the River Euphrates right now. There's, there's spots where you say, well, that could happen now, but it'll actually be part of the prophetic scenario. So if you look on this map, you see Turkey to the north. You see Syria just north of Israel, the king of the north, as spoken about uh, in Daniel chapter 11, and the river Euphrates. By the way, uh, what, sits, uh, what, what country are we talking about on Sunday mornings that shall be on the river Euphrates? Starts with a B. Babylon, Revelation chapter 18, talks about the city of Babylon will be re rebuilt and become a massive place uh, for merchants. We'll talk about that this coming Sunday, and all of that in the prophetic scenario will be coming against Israel in the future. Well, Josh, you have basically pulled us out of time here. It's all your fault. I can't say. So finish. sorry. <laughs> Just couldn't help it. Folks, I, I hope over this last hour, here's, here's what we should get out of this. God's prophetic scenario is being set up as we speak. The people of Israel are coming back to their nation. Russia is becoming a massive superpower, even though it was impotent back in 1991. It is now becoming a superpower. China, who is nothing more than, uh, in most people's vocabulary, than they made great toys that were cheap compared to American goods, and therefore China was a big major, yeah, we love China, but even though they take our jobs, we, we buy cheap stuff from them. Now all of a sudden, they're a superpower. How does that fit into the, the, into the biblical scenario? Massively well. Last thing, and there was one uh, person who commented, he says, what about China and Taiwan? Folks, stay tuned. China's gearing up to take out Taiwan. Uh, uh, we'll see what happens. How long are they going to wait? Who knows? Uh, but, folks, these are all part of the prophetic scenario of the superpowers coming into play just mm -hmm. as God said. Close us out with a prayer, please. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We can keep returning to it during these times. We also thank you, Lord, that you've taken the sting out of death, as we read out of Romans, uh, that you continue to work through even difficult things for our good. So please help us to keep trusting in you, keep leaning on you and your understanding and not our own. 
And uh, we just thank you, Lord, so much for all you've done and all you will do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, folks, thanks so much for coming. Uh, keep this in mind. Keep looking up. Life is good because we know where we're headed. God bless you. Have a great night. I think the speakers just blew up. Blowed them up again. Yep, I'm still sort of live. Ow. I talk so loud, I'm getting feedback off yours. <laughs> hey, Bob.